You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, everyone. This is MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox edition, final edition of the regular season, and I am joined by Scott Merkin. Merk, uh, as it turns out, all that hype, all that hope, all that promise for the Chicago White Sox in 2015, their high watermark this year was 18 and 17. Uh, as we record this going into the last week of the regular season, they are tied with last year's win total. So at least they'll likely exceed last year's win total. But obviously uh, one game above 500 was their high watermark, and that was a long time ago. Not what they expected uh, for 2015. Yeah, you know, I think um, part of this whole thing and thinking about this season, and God knows I've had a long time to think about what went wrong with them because they've been pretty much off the mark literally from opening day when they got beat by the Royals and then swept and lost their home opener and started the season a glorious 0-4. But you Mark, know, I want to throw in that that's not unlike uh, Michigan football losing to Utah the first week of the season. But, but Michigan, the, the thing with Michigan Michigan's football recovered. is they'll get to play Utah again in a rematch in the BCS title game, oh, whereas okay. the Sox did not get to the championship after that. That's how I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, I think maybe because of the excitement in the city, and, you know, on paper, and I still think, you know, they are good moves. Rick made the right moves. It wasn't like he picked up guys who you thought, well, I'm not sure if this is going to work. You know, these are moves that when you made them, you said, okay, I see what he's doing. It fits. I think maybe locally and nationally, there's a couple of reporters I know who talked to me this weekend in New York who said they picked the Sox to go to the World Series. Maybe got a little too caught up in the in the fervor. You know, it's hard, just in general in life, it's hard to fix problems, so to speak, with money. Uh, or completely with money. And remember, this is a team, and I'm not making excuses for them because it was a bad season, no question, but they won 63 games two years ago, 73 last year. Okay, 75, 76, whatever they finished with this year. That's not a marked improvement, but it's hard to go from 73 wins to the postseason, even with not a great second wild card, you know, pulling away here, a team that's, what, seven or eight over right now. So I think maybe the hype was a little too strong for the team. With that said, it was not a good season for the team. They did not have a good year. A couple of players, have, a couple of different players, a couple of players have talked to me about how, you know, with so many new faces, it just didn't mesh right away. Not that it was a bad clubhouse. It just took a while to kind of get each other, you know, to kind of get the feel. And a lot of them think that if you brought the same basic group back next year, which I don't think it's going to be the same group, but I think there's not going to be wholesale changes, that this team may be good and may be a competitor. They think that much of the talent that Rick Hahn, and Kenny Williams and you know Jerry Reinsdorf oversaw assembled in the off season. So, for whatever reason, well, I mean you know the reason. The offense was bad pretty much the entire year, especially the beginning, which just you know just crushed them. And the defense was not great. Although to their credit, they made some adjustments to fix that. Base running was not was once again not great. So this is a bad year overall. But I think it was made even worse. And we knew this in Soxfest. It was kind of like a you know Rick was about to be nominated for governor and king in the same in the same weekend there. And you know that when there's that much excitement, if it goes wrong, there's going to be that much angst and anger, too. So I think it was just maybe a little bit too much of hype, but they made the moves were good. But for some reason, it just did not fit this year. Yeah, the bottom line for me is you can have a good plan and still get bad results. Right. And I, you know, looking back on it, I don't, I don't take issue with, with anything uh, Rick Hahn did this winter. I mean, I was... I liked every move he made with the exception of one, the David Robertson signing, just because, you know, the long-term entanglements with closers usually don't turn out well. But, lo and behold, David Robertson was probably their best signing uh, as far as 2015 performance goes. 
Right. So uh, you, you just never know how it's going to actually work out. But I think the plan was solid, just uh, the execution uh, did not work on the field. What was uh, I know you spoke with Todd Steverson, the hitting coach, uh, the other day. What, what was his take on the offense uh, this season? Because obviously that was the number one thing that dragged him down. Well, you know, we focused more on the beginning of the year when they were just, you know, when they were just terrible. I mean, you look at the numbers for Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton has been unreal in the second half. I mean, he has just been, you know, it, it's not uncommon for him to, it would be uncommon if he's not getting on base two times a game. He seems, you know, he's, I think he's hitting 330 since the All Star break, and he's, he's approaching 100 runs scored. And Melky Cabrera's number is going to be pretty commensurate with what he's done throughout his career. The problem is, they didn't do it early on when the team kind of needed it. I'm not saying they don't need him now because they have made a couple minor mini runs to get, you know, close. And, and again, part of the closeness is because the second wild card never really established itself. I mean, if they were in the National League, they would have been done probably in August, right? I mean, with, with you know, the team 23, 24 games over 500. But that said, you know, when the team needed to get going to kind of match the pitching, the offensive wasn't there. And that's what I was focusing on my story. I mean, I realize overall it has not been a good offensive season. They've had some moments. They've been better in the second half. But I think, you know, really that start when they just couldn't hit it to the start and just dug themselves this hole. And then once you do that, you know, you just you just constantly, you know, they had that seven-game winning streak right before the trade deadline where they won, they swept Cleveland, and then they took three of four from Boston, took three before they lost the last game to Boston. And to me, that kind of struck me as like an NBA team that's down 24, makes a big run, gets within one going into the fourth quarter, and then loses by 10. You know, they just don't have enough gas to pull through. And when you dig yourself that kind of, deficit, you've got to fight just to get within 500. We're not even talking about you're fighting to get five or six over. We're talking you're fighting just to break even for the season. And it's just too hard. And, and the Sox have a habit of doing that. I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm not sure. You know, I've seen, what, 13, 14 of their spring trainings. And, you know, it's not like they roll the ball out there and say, get your work done. We're all playing golf at 11. They work hard. You know, they work hard on our Ozzie Gein. They work hard on our Robin Ventura. And it just, you know, for some reason, they, they get off to these bad starts. They, they've been able to write themselves a couple times in the past, and they did in Robin's first year. You know, they were, I think, 17 and 23 and ended up leading the division for 117 days. But they need to work. They need to figure something out. I don't know. If it's probably easier said than done to avoid these awful starts. And this year it was the offense as well as the defense that really killed them early on. Merck, uh, your best guess, what does the future hold for Robin Ventura? My best guess is we're sitting here right now is that Robin Ventura will be the White Sox manager for the entirety of the 2016 season, and then I don't know past that. You know, I mean, that, from what we know, and they don't really reveal his terms, but from what we know, he's got one more year left on that contract. So we'll see what happens then. You know, I think everyone is kind of I don't want to say on notice, but you know, I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf wants to win. He's had a he's had a lot of championships, including you know the only baseball championship in the last century in Chicago. And, you know, he wants to, to have another one. You know, he wants to get another one. And I think Robin is the guy, and he will be the manager next year. I'm not sure what, how the coaching staff's going to look, if that's going to change. Yeah, I, I imagine Rick Hahn will, you know, as, as you said, we're taping this before the last homestand. But I imagine Rick will address the media this week and probably make things a little bit more clear. But if I had to guess, Robin is the manager of 2016, and then, you know, it's hard to guess beyond that. And what does the future hold for Jeff Samarja? He had a pretty uniquely weird season on the south side, uh, some, some very electric moments and, and also some, some stretches where he was really laboring. Uh, obviously, his free agency is going to be fascinating. Yeah, it, it's an odd year for him, Anthony, because in July he was great. I think he had a 2 in July. 
<clears throat> after starting off slow, but not not horrible. You know, I mean, not great, but more like a third or fourth starter as opposed to the guy they got to you know pair one two with Chris Sale. Um, and then in August, he was just atrocious. You know, I mean, there's no way around it. And I, and I understand that you know I'm not out there pitching, so it's easy for me to say. But as again, just observing the pitcher, he was 0 and six, and then the area up around nine. So that's that's a bad bump. You know, that's not good. And, then he showed his last start in Detroit, you know, where he threw one hitter, which was a blue single by Martinez. Didn't go to a three-ball count the entire game. That is vintage Samarja. That is what Jeff's, you know, I watched him with the Cubs a lot of years, too, and that is what Jeff Samarja is all about. It's not necessarily the, I know his strikeouts are not this year, but I don't think he's necessarily a 12, he's not sale. He's not a 10-12 strikeout guy a game. He's a guy who gets hard contact, you know, or gets contact, plays, uses his defense, and you know, it stays in control, attacks the zone. And I think one of the things in that slump is he was he was getting behind too many hitters. And, you know, just a, a scout told me his location was up on pretty much all the pitches they saw. This is a guy who watched him against the Oakland, against the A's when he had 10 runs in three innings. His slider was good, he said, in that game, but he didn't use it that much. And his splitter has been kind of off and on. I don't think he'll be back with the White Sox. I do think the White Sox will make a qualifying offer. And as we know, no free agent's ever taken that. And Jeff, who has, you know, pretty much been goal-directed towards exploring this free agency, I will, would be willing to bet large sums of money that, that he's not going to take the qualifying offer. And then we'll see what happens. I mean, I know he's going to, you know, he's a young guy. He's durable. He went over 200 innings again, albeit, you know, not all great innings this year. And there's someone that's good there. I know there are still teams, I've talked to scouts, that are still very much this, and they're still looking at him. The Giants are one of the teams I know that were out at his, at his last home start in Oakland. So, there are teams that are going to pay multi-year money to have Jeff Samarja, and I would not be surprised if he went back to the National League, and not just because the difference in the offense in, you know, in, in both leagues, but just because he likes the whole game. He likes to hit. He's a good hitter, you know, especially as pitchers go. So that would not surprise me if he ended up going over there. But I, I would be very surprised if he ends up back in Chicago, at least with the White Sox. Uh, one last thing, Mark. Uh, in a second half, that, that obviously uh... – was rendered meaningless as far as the standings go. Uh, Trace Thompson really stepped up big for this offense. Is that probably the, the most encouraging aspect of the second half? Thompson, as we record this, has a 352, 410, 648 slash line in 30 games. Uh, it's only 71 at bat, so that's probably as encouraging as anything that's happened this season. Yeah, you know, he. Um... The thing with Trace, in our, in our year wrap-up story we do, you know, there's the, the biggest surprise, and I think Trace on the positive side would be the biggest surprise. Samarja, you know, kind of falling short would be the biggest surprise overall, I think. But Trace took, a, you know, a little bit to get there, which is fine. Some players develop at, you know, a different pace. But always is a great defensive player. He was, you know, as long as I've seen him in the system and as, as he's developed, he's been known as kind of the best defensive outfielder they had. I think still is. But with this power, you know, show that he's been putting on and with just hitting very well overall, I think he's put himself in play next year for more than a fourth outfielder. So it'll be interesting what they do. You know, they have some decisions to make. You know, Melky is back for two more years. Adam Eaton is under a long-term contract now and, you know, is a good guy at the top of the order and, is, you know, is, I think Thompson's probably a little better defensive center fielder, but, you know, Eaton is, a, is kind of the catalyst of that offense. And now you got to figure out what do you what do you do with Avi Garcia? You know, Avi Garcia, in fairness to him, this is for, because of injuries. This is his first full year in the majors. I know it seems like he's been around a long time because the kid was in the World Series before he had like 30 major league plate appearances. But this is his first start to finish big league season. Yes, he didn't hit for you know the power they wanted. Yes, he still swings at way too many pitches out of the zone. 
but do the Sox say, okay, he's growing, you know, let's let's give him a chance and see what happens, or do they make the assessment and say, well, you know, this is going to be pretty much what we saw at Diane Vizieto, which is not a bad thing. It's a right-handed power bat, but maybe not dynamic as they thought. And do they maybe make a move and get, get Trace more into play? So it'll it'll be interesting in the offseason, but Trace is certainly in there. There's no question about that. He has made his name, you know, put his name in the mix, and, it, and you know, near the forefront for 2016. All right. Well, there you have it. The final word from Mr. Merkin. More to come this winter. We'll see how the White Sox recover from a rough 2015. I want to thank Scott Merkin for joining us, and thank you all for tuning in this season. This has been MLB.com Extras. Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.